You're listening to the Today in the Word radio podcast. This week, we bring you a five-part series of messages that George Slavin presented during Moody Week at Go Lake Bible Conference 1978. George Slavin was a Bible teacher and expositor and former pastor of Highland Park Baptist Church in Southfield, Michigan. Now, here is George Slavin on Today in the Word Radio. I'm reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 35 to 39. Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of endurance, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. July the 4th, 1776, they made a great declaration of what we call the Declaration of Independence. Know all men by these presents. And then it goes on to say, We hold these things to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, that's the declaration of our country. What is our declaration of faith? And I like to say four things from verses 38 and 39. First, our declaration, we believe to the saving of the soul. And secondly, the demonstration of that faith, that the just live by their faith in him. And then in the third place, I call it defection means to desert. It means to abandon ship. It means to jump ship. We are not of those that turn back. And then lastly, those that do perdition, that turn back unto perdition. When we talk about our declaration of faith, what do we believe and why do we believe it and when do we believe it? Well, we are Christians and we begin, if we were called, to give the declaration of our faith and God calls us to do that. The eunuch, I want to be baptized. Oh, hold it. Do you believe? He said, well, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then you can be baptized. I identified with him in water. Not that the water saves, but he does. Paul said, I am persuaded that what I've committed unto him, he's able to keep against that day. And Peter, when Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? He said, thou art the Messiah, the son of the living God. What do you believe? Well, we would begin by saying, first of all, we believe in God. That's abstract, but for the moment we would say that. Not everybody believes in God. The Bible says, well, if you don't believe in God, only a fool would take that stand to say there's no God. You have to admit the effect. Then where does the effect come from? And the cause is God. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, He that cometh to God must first believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek that God. Oh, wait a minute. Why do you believe in God? Then if we were in court, we'd give our evidence not to convince the unsaved, but to assure us that what we believe is not junk. You believe in God? Why? What do you mean by that? And if I were an attorney, and I'm not, sometimes I wish I was when I'm talking to my wife and arguing, but back to this. 
I would say, we believe in God, and here are our no proof. Can't prove God. Just can't prove Him. God is. You come, you believe that He is. But we have our evidence. Evidence is not proof. You don't prove that John killed Bill unless you saw him. But if he said, I'm going to kill him, and a second later he ran out of the room with a knife in his hand filled with blood, and Bill cries, John did it, that's enough. That's not proof. You didn't see it. That's evidence. Is there enough evidence to activate my faith? That's what we're talking about. Enough evidence, not conclusive evidence. Can't take you to heaven and say, ladies and gentlemen, here is the Almighty. No man has seen God and lived. But God says, I am. That's how the Bible begins. In the beginning, God, I am that I am. And if I gave the evidence, and some of it will seem philosophical, well, let me run through it because it's true. And Anselm, well, let me put it this way. It's called the analogical argument. You cannot conceive of any greater being than God. Try it. Now, first of all, you start with yourself. You call yourself the irreducible minimum, me. I know I exist because I think, said Descartes. I, inside, I know I'm a being. Where did I come from? I don't mean mom and dad. I know that. Not grandmom and granddad, though I never knew my grandparents. Not way back. But where did I come from way, way, way back? Well, I either came from something that existed back there or something that didn't. Well, you can't come from the non-existent. So I must come from something that existed way, way back. Now follow me. That something way, way back that existed must have always existed or it had to come from something. You with me? Now when I ask you afterward like him to sing it, I want you to get up and say it. And if you do, you're a better man than I am. It took me six months to get this in my head, but back then. But I never let the teacher know, I, but I knew. But that something that always existed then must be eternal. If it didn't come from something else, it must have always been. And that something that's eternal, follow me, must be self-existent, otherwise it has to depend on something else to exist. He's in the second year. <laughs> that something that's eternal and self-existent must be perfect in all its ways, because if there's anything more perfect than that something, it would be greater than that something. So what we're saying is God is eternal, self-existent, and perfect, and you cannot conceive of any greater being than that God. Try it. Try to think of somebody more eternal than eternal, more perfect than perfect, more self-existent than self-existent. And you don't possess any of these things. Only God has them. That's why God says, I am, because I am. You would have to have all the attributes of that God to say he doesn't exist. Don't say there's no God. How do you know? You'd have to know everything and the cause behind everything. Now, that doesn't prove God, but it assures me as a believer that when I say I believe in that God, I'm not a dummy. And if I took you to what we call the cosmological argument or evidence, and that doesn't prove him, and that's the argument that says for every effect there has to be an adequate cause that doesn't only allow and bring about the effect but has a purpose in bringing it about. And the universe is an effect. Where did it come from? Well, it either came from the non-existent or the God that did it. It either came from accident or chance or by a great architect. And I don't know about you, but I believe that design needs a designer and architecture needs an architect. 
Where did I come from? You say, well, I think you came from a spontaneous combustion or bang billions of years ago where there was no life and out of no life there came a boom. Come on, who caused the boom? I snapped my fingers and if you had your eyes closed and you heard this, I'd say, well, now you heard an effect. What's the cause? Well, you'd have maybe different answers. Some would say it's a thousand-legger with a broken leg or a grasshopper with arthritis. <laughs> no, you'd say you snapped your fingers. Well, yes, that's the cause. Do you know why? And you can't know why unless I tell you why I snapped my fingers. The universe is an effect fearfully and wonderfully made. If you've seen some of the moody films like the bee making honey, and then somebody finds some honey and he comes back and tells the other bees, how does he tell them? With the whirring of his wings, go down a quarter of a mile, turn right, you get the honey. And as you look at all this and these bees are, let's go, let go. Right. Or the bat going through and he's going to hit that? No, he goes right through. Why? He can't see. He's got radar. Who gave him radar? Oh, accident. No accident. And if I talk about my eye as I did the other morning, set in a socket of bone with muscles and ciliary muscles and a retina, and here it is with windshield wipers and pulleys. Watch it. Well, I only did one. I'll do both. No. Who made me? God. If you look at my five great systems, the nervous system, the digestive system, the circulatory system, hey, who made... Oh, you can't... I'm no accident. If you want to think that, well, bless you. One of these days we'll wipe you out and say, well, it was only an accident. No, come on. Is that the only evidence? No, there are more evidences, the teleological evidence, the argument from design, and the ethnical evidence that all around the world people worship. It's in man innate to worship something. Like the woman of Samaria, she may worship in ignorance, but she worships something, and God said, that's enough. The Father is to be worshiped in spirit and in truth. So I believe there's a God. I don't have enough evidence, but enough evidence to activate my faith. Now, I don't know anything about that God unless he reveal himself. And he does it a little bit in his works. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament speaks of his handiwork. Day by day they utter their speech, Hebrew word for belch. And in the morning, you know what happened. You're sound asleep and, a, and how comes that? Everything, and at night, everything, go, birds go to sleep. Now and again, a frog. Ribbit. Ribbit. Like this. Who did this? Well, they tell of a designer, says Joseph Addison in his hymn, day by day the moon takes up the tail, the sun goes around, and they cry with words that we cannot learn except signs that the hand that made us is divine. But tell me, this God who made all of you and me, does he love me? And the sun doesn't say anything. Sun may warm me or sunburn me doesn't say a word. The sea, it may carry my ship. It may give me a hurricane that destroys my ship. doesn't tell me enough. What are you like? And God is silent and says, you can't know. No man by searching finds me out. And unless I reveal myself to you, you will never know. And he's done that. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us in his Son. It pleased God to reveal himself not only in the heavens, but in the scripture, the word of God that cannot be broken.
I picked up a man once and he said he didn't believe in God. He was an atheist, he said. And I said, well, what norm of conduct do you have? He said he didn't believe the Bible either. He said, well, I believe in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Find those here. Now, take away your Bible and tell me about God. What's he like? Don't tell me he's a God of love. The Bible says that. Don't tell me he's holy. Well, the Bible says that. Now, you tell me something about God the Bible doesn't say, and you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Preach it. Don't know. I believe in God. I believe in the Scriptures. And I believe that the Scriptures reveal not only God in all of His holiness and truth, unchangeable, immutable, perfect in all His ways. It also tells me the truth about me. It tells me that I'm a created being, not an accident of evolution. I'm created in the image of God. I'm made a little God with a little sovereignty, able to create, able to investigate, able to do things because He's made me like Himself. I say in miniature like a little God. Elohim, the Bible says. You are Elohims. And then I read in the Bible that man sinned and that man is depraved. And so depraved he cannot save himself. Not so bad that he couldn't be worse so bad, however, he can't lift up one little finger to save himself. No man redeems his own soul. And man's self-righteousness before God is his filthy rags. And when he stands at the bar of judgment, you have Romans chapter 3, there is none righteous, no, not one. You say, my grandmother, wipe her out. Not one. You say, the little infant, not one. They are all sinners, and they come short of the glory of God. And not one of them can be saved, not one of them, unless he does something. And I believe that the Bible reveals God's great, great plan of salvation, prophesied with words like, The seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent. And in thy seed, Abraham, all nations shall be blessed. And little by little, God adding line by line in the blueprint that's here and before me, my soul, as I read it, I see the prophecies coming one at a time, zooming in and finally focusing on one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came to fulfill what the Father said, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to me, Father, I come to do thy will. A body hast thou prepared me. And he did. And that great God who wants us to know him, for that's what eternal life is, did it not only with pro prophecies and multiple prophecies. You know, if one came to pass, you could say it's coincidence. But when the hundreds of them zoom in and are fulfilled literally, not symbolically, but literally. He was born of the Virgin and of the Holy Ghost. He was wounded for our transgressions. Not one bone of him was broken. Imagine that when you see a man on a cross and he's not dead, and they take a big sledgehammer and break his bones above the thigh, above the knee, at the thigh, so he cannot take a breath, but slumps and drowns in his own fluid in his lungs. And they come to Jesus, God, break his bones. And the soldiers didn't know the Bible. But the Bible says not one of bone of him be broken, so they stopped. He's dead already. Hey, I got a Savior that fulfilled all Scripture. His body will never see corruption. As it was, he said, in Jonah's day, and he was three days, so shall the Son of Man. And he rose again the third day. Verse after verse. And not only that, he did it by prefigured types and shadows, templates that God showed. He will meet the template, Passover lamb. And John the Baptist said, hey, he is that the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Serpent in the wilderness. No, he is the serpent in the wilderness lifted up by God, not in brass, but on the cross. And he that believeth on him shall never perish. Yeah, I believe that God has provided salvation. I believe to the saving of the soul. 
And I believe by the grace of God and God's sovereign grace, because he does the saving, no man deserves it, and he doesn't have to save everybody, and he doesn't have to save anybody, and that he saves you, it's by the grace of God. And grace means unmerited favor. Hail Mary, full of favor. Full of merit. No, no, favor. Full of grace. I didn't have to choose you, Mary. I could have chosen Gwendolyn, if there was a Gwendolyn. Or some chose you, Mary. And she said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. Hey, my spirit doth magnify the Lord, and my soul rejoices in God my, what? Savior. Yeah, that's what he came to do, seeking to save that which is lost. Well, I believe that, and I believe that when you receive Christ, all your sins are washed away by his precious blood and cast into the depths of the sea, and that leaves you naked, and you don't have any righteousness. And he says, No, I'll give you the righteousness of my son, and I'll impute that to your account. Then I'll make you a promise. I will never lay one sin to your charge. And then I'll give you something else. I'll give you my spirit, and you'll be a new creation. And if I began the first and completed, I'll begin the second and complete it, and you will know me. And you will cry, Abba, Father. I believe that. That's my declaration of faith. You believe that? Yeah. Only Baptists believe it? No, no, no. Only Plymouth Brethren? No. Only the Dutch? No. All of the Baptists? No. All of the Dutch? No. Only those who in his sovereign grace he has saved. Now, if I say that, can I demonstrate it? Well, this is what... The writer says, do you know that we who believe in the saving of the soul believe that the just live by that kind of faith? Or James put it, do you know that faith without works is dead? How do you demonstrate it? Well, I could take the rest of the night. I'll give you a few. Abel demonstrated his faith by his worship. He offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, and by it gained the testimony of God that he was his child accepted. Hey, if you don't worship God, I don't like your faith for God wants to be worshipped. He seeketh people to worship him. And worship is giving God the worth that's to his name. Did you ever hear this quote? Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't think you have to be a Christian and go to church. Man, you smell bad. Your Christianity smells bad. When you become a Christian, you become a member of the body of Christ. And no member can say to the rest of the body, I have no dealings with you. You're not a member. If you're a member of my body, bless you, you love me and I love you. And when I get up in the morning, we're all there. <laughs> I have no thumb that says, I don't think I have to be a member of your body. And hey, you remember my body. And it's so identified with me that when my head speaks, my body is alive, unless it's sick, unless it's paralyzed. And if I say to my thumb and finger, snap, I don't want my thumb to say, I'll go home and pray about it. Come on. Snap. Snap. And when I say stop, you stop. You see, if I demonstrate my worship, and worship is to adore God, and it's to admire Him, and it's to adhere to Him and accept Him and acknowledge Him. Then when I come to the Lord's house and it's a service of worship, I don't want to be annoyed by whispering. You rob me of my worship. I don't want to be annoyed by people writing notes. In my Bible is a statement by William Law. Here's what he said years ago. I can find the statement. Well, it's in there. William Law said that when you come to worship, God is in the beauty of His holiness, and it is. 
And not only to worship God, demonstrate that by being in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. You see, that takes diligence and stewardship. And that takes responsibility, and relationship begets responsibility. And some people never join any assembly. You say, well, the Bible doesn't say, come on. Man said to me, does the Bible say, and I said, man, the Bible doesn't say that Jesus ought to forgive that woman caught in adultery when the Bible says stone her, but he forgave her. You want to be a legalist? Go take the first stone, but he forgave her. You want to be a legalist? The Bible doesn't mention the word Trinity, but Jesus Christ is one with the Father. And the Holy Ghost proceeded forth from the Father and the Son, and the three are one, and we believe that because that's the evidence of Scripture, but no one text. I believe if I'm really his, I worship him like Abel or Jehoshaphat who lifted up his heart unto the Lord. Uzziah lifted up his heart against the Lord. I want to worship him in spirit and in truth. And that takes diligence and attention and stewardship and my own affection, which has to be set. You know, you set affections. It's a matter of the will, as Brother Brandt pointed out. It's not that you can't have love and joy and peace that God has for you. It's because you don't want them. And the man that says, I don't love my wife anymore, he means he doesn't want to. He could love anything you want to if you want to bad enough. And to love God is a discipline and set my affection. I want to hear the choir today and hear them sing about you. And don't want to criticize the preacher's tie was crooked. Come on. Didn't come to look at ties. Came to hear him. And then not only worship but obedience, which is better than sacrifice. That's what they sang about. If you're not yielded and surrendered, you can't be obedient. That's all God wants. What does God want from me? Micah put it, walk humbly, do justly, love mercy, obey me. It's better than anything. Don't want Saul said, well, I don't, well, come on, give him obedience. And give him the kind of relationship that indicates that you are his. Unashamed of the gospel, unashamed of Jesus Christ, that when he comes, I may not be ashamed. Or magnify him in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is, uh, see, we say it. For me, life is money. For me, life is retirement. For me, life is a home. For me, life is a buzzed up car. For me, life is a boy, tall, dark, and hand. No, for me, life is Christ. And these things are extraneous. Take no thought for the morrow, what you put on, what you're going to eat. Really not important. And, you know, we are so geared to time in your church and mine that 10 after 12, you better be through or they'll shoot you. Oh, in grace. They'll pray for you as you die, but you better be finished. <laughs> Do you know our Lord took him 18 miles to walk from Capernaum? The, over there they say Capernaum. From Capernaum to Nain to find a widow woman whose son had died, 18 long miles. That's a long time. We live by the clock, and I'm aware of programs and time. But, oh, sometimes I wish we lived in an area where there were no clocks, where you didn't have to take the expressway 60 miles an hour and broad-rimmed cops watching you. Just wish I had a camel sometimes. You heard of the two camels, got married, had a little camel without a hump. <laughs> they named him Humphrey. <laughs> if I am to worship God, 
I am to obey God and have a relationship with Him. I am to serve Him. Episcopal free book, prayer book says, His service is perfect freedom. Now, if we stopped and took a little essay, uh, do you serve Him? And you say, oh, yes. And I'd say, fine, Romans 12, 1. Uh, tell me in what areas you serve Him, and what would you put down? Some would you say, you sing. I'm for that. I wish I could sing. Some of you would say, I teach a class. I'm for that. God's given the gift of teaching. Go on. What do you do in your assembly? What do you do? You serve him. And to whom you yield yourself, a servant to obey, that's whose servant you are, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness, Romans chapter 6. You once were the slaves of sin, so they yelled and you jumped. And now you're a slave of righteousness, free to do that. He isn't, you are, and the master calls. And what do you say? Well, if it's convenient, imagine a servant telling the master that. Bring in the wood. Uh, <laughs> not today, master. If I feel led, I'll do it. But I'll pray about it. <laughs> no servant. The dig deer. Oh, God, give me the manifestation of faith. The just live by their faith. A faith that prays, for if you don't pray, you have a theoretical God. You have a God only in name, but God's a person. And to say, I live with my wife, but we never talk, you have no wife except in theory. You communicate, and one of the breakdowns of marriage is lack of communication. Not just the words, but the attitude and the affection, the hand on the arm, or dear, you know, what can I do to help? Not the nagging. No, thank you. One woman said of her husband, he's like a, a secret island. I, I row around, I'm looking for a passageway, and when I think I'm getting in, I look and you can't land there. He's busy, gives you busy signals all the time. And you know what busy signals are. You pick up the phone and dial it, and it goes beep, 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 and you put it down, say, so I'll wait five minutes, and you pick it up again, beep, 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 and you put it down, say, well, I'll come back in a half an hour, and you pick it up, beep, 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 you say, well, I'll call him this afternoon, beep, and then you don't bother, can't get near him, beep, 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 hey, dad, beep, 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 hey, dad, beep, 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 why go back, hey, God gives you no beep, beep, beeps, thank God he never slumbers nor sleeps, thank God you can talk to him, and prayer has many elements, and I can't go into them, but prayer has praise in it and petition in it and thanksgiving in it and confession in it and consecration in it and concentration in it. All that involves in prayer. And you talk to him, and he listens and directs by his spirit, and the sword of the spirit is the word of God. As Dr. Brandt said, you don't have to ask him about some things. Go do it. That's what he tells you. Well, if the Lord doesn't want me to marry that unsaved boy, I pray, Lord, you put an obstacle in my pay. He's not going to bother with you. He tells you not to marry him. What do you want, to be hit on the head? I have to hurry, but I think the third thing about this message is from not only the declaration of my faith, and faith is the substance, sub Stand, faith is that which stands under all my doctrine and my belief. Faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love. First is faith, that's the substance. 
of things I hope for that he has for me. It's the evidence of things I do not see, but he sees. <laughs> Doesn't he? God's not surprised. Not going to get to heaven and say, oh, not God. Eyes run to and fro. Watches my down sittings and uprisings. Knows the hairs of my head. Great Father. Lord, I don't want to defect. What do you mean by defect? Desert ship. Anybody ever do that? Cain did. He drew back from the kind of offering that God wanted. Come on, Cain, if you sin, you're no better than Abel. There's a sin offering at the door. I don't want that. You mean if I have to be saved, I have to confess I'm a sinner? Oh, no, I've lived a pretty good life. Come on, Cain, you may not know it, but you're a liar and a murderer and a deserter of God. And that's what he was. He drew back from the offering that God wanted. And if anybody in this room is unsaved, it's because you're like a Cain. Either pride or lying or sin or desiring darkness, you will not come God's way. And there's no other way but Jesus. No other way. No man comes to the Father except by me. What about the other religions? You ask. God says there's no other way but me. Go ahead, call him a liar. And God's no liar. Cain drew back. King Saul drew back from obedience for expedience sake. He wanted the sheep. Why give my offering when I can give somebody else's? And there are people like that in their giving. Oh, yeah, they pray for others to give, but they don't give. Paul said, oh, God forbid I preach to others and become disapproved of God. You that sayest thou shalt not steal. Do you steal? You that say thou shalt not commit adultery. You got an affair on the side. Ooh, God says, hypocrite, play actor. These people drew back. It was Demas that drew back, loving this present world. He had to make a decision. Come on, Demas, go with Paul. I'll suffer. I'd rather go to the football game. And no sin in football games, except when it takes priority to him. Esau drew back from the responsibility of a birthright. He'd rather have the mess of pottage. And there isn't a verse in the Bible that says you can't eat pottage. It's simply that you despise the birthright, Esau. You drew back from responsibility. And I guess the statistics are fairly well accurate. Do you know that about 20% of any assembly do most of the giving and 80% do not? And do you know about 20% of most assemblies do all the serving and the other 80 sit in the stands as spectators? Would you serve on a board? Not me. Would you teach a class? No, it ties me down every Sunday and I don't want to be tied down to responsibility. No wonder the Lord said, when I return, will I find faith? demonstrated faith in the church? Turn back? Yeah, the rich young ruler turned back because he didn't like the conditions of discipleship. Hey, take all you have and get rid of it and take up your cross daily and you follow me. And he looked and had great possessions. Jesus or these? Jesus or these? Don't criticize him. He took these and went away sorrowful. So will you and so will I. Unless you recognize that all I have is nothing. I came into the world naked and believing when I die, there'll be no pockets in my shroud and no U-Haul it behind the hearse. Look what all he had, nothing. Came in naked, you go out naked. If it wasn't for the grace of God, there'd be no use living. No use whatsoever. For what? Unless it's to glorify him. Deserters, yeah, they're all through the Bible and I listed some that you know about, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Agrippas who almost persuaded to be Christian, but man, if I take you as the king, what will Rome do to me? God, I have Rome. Almost you persuade me. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees who can't believe in the supernatural, 
Frank Morrison, who wrote Roll Back the Stone, said when he went to Oxford College, they said the Apostles' Creed, and he said it all till he got to, risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, and he pressed his lips. He did not believe in resurrection and ascension. The teachings of Jesus were raised, but not literal resurrection, until he began to read the Bible and found it was true. And then he confessed it. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. Yeah, I believe that. Is that your declaration of faith? It's the kind of faith, however, that's demonstrated and you do not defect. And we have a lot of defectors. We call them deserters in the army. They skipped. They went to Canada, some of them. That's no reflection on Canada, but they didn't want responsibility. And you say, well, are you for war? Beside the point, they defected. How can you trust a defector? People do it with buying cars. They make a covenant, I'll pay so much, and then beat it. And people do it in marriage. Defectors. We are not of those that turn back. And lastly, destruction under perdition. I only want to read, uh, only occurs eight times in the Bible. I just want to read the text and close. And this is what it says. John 17, 12. None is lost but the son of perdition. No salvation for Judas. None. Philippians 1.28. Do not be terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation. When people deny the gospel, there remains for them no more offering for sin, but a certain fearful looking for, a fiery indignation and wrath, which shall devour the adversaries. For if in Moses' day a man died without mercy for picking up sticks on a Sabbath, what's going to happen to the man who tramples underfoot the blood of an everlasting covenant and does despot to the spirit of grace? Our God is a consuming fire. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And then this text, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. 1 Timothy 6, they that would be rich fall into snare and temptation, and to many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown man into perdition, destruction. Read James 5 about the rich. But the heavens and the earth are kept by the same word in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment and the perdition, the destruction of ungodly men. Revelation 17, 8 and 11. The beast shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And the beast that was and is not and is of the eighth, he goeth into perdition. If you're saved tonight, man, profess him and confess him. Father, we're well aware with gratitude that our forefathers paid a price for what we call the Declaration of Independence. Some of them lost their lives and some of them their estates and some of them their honor and they were called rebels and whatever. Father, not to defend politics but to remind us today there may be a price we have to pay for our Declaration of Faith. Give us the courage, stalwart steadfastness of those that have Abide in thee as you abide in us. And may your grace go with us this day, thinking of our past heritage, but more than that, think of our inheritance in Jesus Christ, where the lines have fallen to us in pleasant places. In the name of Christ our Redeemer, amen. You've been listening to the Today in the Word radio podcast and one of five messages George Slavin presented during Moody Week at Gull Lake Bible Conference 1978. 
George Slavin was a Bible teacher and expositor and former pastor of Highland Park Baptist Church in Southfield, Michigan. Audio copies of this and many other messages from the podcast are available at moodyaudio.com. Today in the Word Radio is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of the Moody Bible Institute.